Hey listeners, today on the podcast, I interview a young man named Corbin who didn't grow up Mormon. He became a Mormon his senior year in high school. It's a pretty common story. It's a tactic called flirt to convert that the Mormon church uses, and that's what happened to him. His story is really compelling, and I love his insight about the middleman. That's how he viewed it. He viewed Mormonism as long as he was in it as being something that he couldn't go directly to God with, but that he needed his bishop. So anyway, hope you enjoy. This is Corbin's story. Okay, Corbin, thanks for joining us. Hey, why don't you start? Because I just, the other day I was talking to you and you used this term flirt to convert. And I'd never heard this before. And so I know that's part of your story. You got to start from that phrase. What does that phrase mean? And then back up and tell us your story. I became LDS at an, like an older age, typically, right? You're, you're baptized at the age of eight, right? And then you're kind of just, you start a lot younger with me. I didn't grow up in the, in the LDS religion, the Mormon religion. I was, I was actually baptized when I was 17 years old. And it's because I, I started dating this girl who had grown up Mormon her entire life. You know, that's all she knew. And that's where she, you, you know, I, I first heard the term like flirt to convert because I was a bit of a troublemaker in high school. Um, and it, it was quite interesting that someone, uh, someone with that background would have been interested in me in general. Um, but yes, she used, she used the term flirt to convert and she totally did. What was it like growing up in Utah, going to public school in Utah and not being a Mormon? I did notice I was a bit of an outcast in a sense. I definitely was looked at as differently as being someone that wasn't Mormon and, and living in Utah. Um, so it was a unique experience. A lot of a lot of your friends growing up, they're, you know, they're going to church on Sunday and, and back then it was the three hour service. So they were they were constantly, you know. And it seemed like it, you know, kids, it was super strict on you. you. Couldn't, you couldn't go play with friends on Sunday, right? Sunday was meant for rest. It's the Sabbath day. You can't break the Sabbath. So I remember, yeah, like being the only kid that could play on Sundays. And, and I never ended up being able to play with anybody because, right, like everybody's, everybody's locked in at home because that's, that's just what, what it was. So so yeah, growing up in Utah as a kid was was interesting. I, I would say the best term I have for it is is being a bit of an outlier, an outcast in a sense, because you're just not looped in. Even in your younger years, was there pressure for you to go to the ward with your friends just for the social aspect of it? It was. It, I would say pressure is a good word for it. I, I never felt, I guess, I don't know. It, it, I would say that's a good word for it. Pressure was a good word for it because to kind of give you a little background, my 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 extended family, grandparents and and aunts and uncles, they're all you know very active in the Mormon Church. So so I would say there was a little bit of uh, some pull from from family. Even uh, my parents were raised LDS. They were raised Mormon, and and they ended up walking away in their in their adult life. So they're not super active in in church in general i would say right now um my mom's a little bit more but i never felt a huge pressure from parents but grandparents aunts and uncles maybe a little bit nothing nothing too crazy about friends definitely you've got a lot of a lot of influence and a lot of questions from friends kids seem to be a little bit more less filtered so they're just gonna you know come out and say like 
Why aren't you, why aren't you going to church like everybody else? You know what I mean? So. Okay. So let's fast forward now to high school. There's that cute Mormon girl and you're like, okay, I could see myself being a Mormon. Is that kind of how it works? She essentially kind of gave me an ultimatum. Like if you want to date with me, you pretty much have to go to church on Sunday, sort of a move. And, uh, kind of like that exchange of, uh, you work on yourself, maybe I'll give you a shot sort of a thing. So that's kind of what happened. So I ended up going, um, I started going probably halfway through my senior year and, and we started dating a little bit and we started to really like each other. And, and so I was just in such a, I guess, easily influenced part of my life and where women were, was concerned, I would say that's always, that's always been where my little teenage head was at was to just chase, chase the girl. That was always kind of seemed to be the issue. So it just seemed like the right move. And, and this is kind of where, where I think it really actually touched me and why I even decided to go that direction is I started to recognize the way I was living wasn't in line with what I believed, you know, was right in God's eyes. Obviously I was, I was living a very sinful life is what I would say. And so when you kind of get sold this ideology that there's a way to work um, your your way back into righteousness with God, I lived with this false perception that that was now what I needed to do. That uh, I felt as if I was beyond redemption by just faith and grace alone. And that obviously exposes that I never had a true depth of an understanding of God's love and, and the, and the power behind the crucifixion of Christ. Um, so that goes to show my immaturity in, in my faith. But I, I think that was the selling point that they really got me on was that, you know, you've lived your life this way, but if you were to change and start doing X, Y, and Z consistently, then you could essentially earn your spot in line with God again. Okay, so now I know, Corbin, you've listened to most of these episodes on the Unveiling Mormonism podcast, and you've heard some pretty crazy stuff, some pretty shocking stuff about Joseph Smith, about temples, about masonry, whatever. Did you, like, did you hear some of those things going to the Mormon ward, or, or were some of those things, th- things you just recently realized listening to the podcast? Honestly, uh, Brian, the the amount of knowledge that I've gained in in the last two months of studying open mindedly is the, well. I guess the, the amount of knowledge I gained in the four or five years I committed myself to the Mormon religion is inconsequential compared to the amount of information that I've just gained in just two months of actually digging into things. Like, and what I mean by that, let me elaborate a little bit is. Is yeah, to to answer your question, I felt like when I was going through the missionary talks and I was I was going and attending the uh the Mormon the Mormon church and trying to learn more about it, it was almost just like barely scratching the surface. You never really got the in-depth history, the 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 deep talks, like where why why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why why are these things right? Why you know, where did this come from? Sort of questions. And and so to be completely honest, I I feel like I believed in a religion that I never truly actually understood. 
if that makes any sense. Like I, I think now having, you know, walking away and having more of an open mind, trying to learn, learn about Jesus and, and just understand things. That's when I like, it was exposed into the light that, I mean, I didn't know anything that was going on. Like I, I knew what they told me, you know? Some of our listeners might not be LDS. Maybe they've never, never even been to an LDS church. What, what are the kinds of things you were learning going to the LDS church for five years? So some of the first things they're going to teach you and that I remember learning about is obviously they talk about Joseph Smith. They, they bring up Joseph Smith. That's, that's essentially the, the lifeline of, of what created that, that religion, right? Is they believe that Joseph Smith is, was, was the prophet here on earth that restored the gospel that, that brought God's church back whole. Right. And, and so he's the one who, <clears throat> who wrote and compiled the book of Mormon. Um, and, and the doctrine of covenants and the pearl of great price, I believe are the three other, um, doctrines that they believe. And, and this is the thing that I always struggled with. I, I mean, from the beginning is they, they do believe in the Bible, but there is an asterisk that says, as long as it is translated correctly. And they never really dug into that. They never, I never remember like digging into what that even meant. I never really knew that, you know, Joseph Smith had, had made his own, you know, changes of the way he interpreted a lot of the verses. And I had no idea. That is something I never learned about. So what I learned about was that the Book of Mormon was the, the most true and honest and correct book. Um, relating to God. And so that was the most trustworthy scripture to believe in. Right. And, and the other things to kind of learn about, I didn't, I didn't know how to word it this way, but yeah, they believe that there is still what you would call an open canon um, versus a closed canon. Um, they, you know, they believe that there still is a, a prophet here on the earth that is directly conversating with, with God, if you will, and, and giving, you know, getting counsel, where to take the world, where to take the church, that sort of a thing. So what I remember learning is to kind of trust in, in the prophet and his apostles, um, to trust in, in the bishops. So, you know, the kind of just a very generic cover is, is, you know, you've got the prophet of the church, he has his 12 apostles, and then there's you know, you've got the the quorum of the 70 and then it splits up into essentially like, you know, you've got presidencies over certain areas that breaks down into, into bishops and the bishops have their own bishopric and the bishops are, are the people that you're kind of assigned to based on where you live. You'll go to a certain ward and, and he's kind of your direct counsel, I guess. He's, he's kind of like the authority you would generally need for almost anything, um, very rarely would you need to jump up to, to stake presidency or higher, right? Obviously there's certain things where you would, you would talk to those guys, but, um, essentially you kind of listen to what the Bishop said, you know, you listen to what the prophets were saying. You read the book of Mormon, the doctrine and covenants, Joseph Smith was the prophet, you know, there's X, Y, and Z things that you need to follow in order to be in, in line with, with God. And, and that's kind of how it works. That's very, very generalized. And <clears throat> to anyone that's listening that is LDS, that, that might have been oversimplified, but that's, that's a very basic understanding. How much did you learn about the Bible in those five years compared to, say, the Book of Mormon? Was it 50-50? Oh, to be completely transparent, not even close. Um, I, I know now the, the, the Mormon church is studying the, the Bible right now. 
And this whole year is kind of dedicated to that. But for the last five years that I was a part of the church, it was it was very heavily emphasis. There was an, a heavy emphasis over the Book of Mormon, definitely over the Bible. I would, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even, for me personally, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, say this was for everyone, but I, I feel like it was close to like nine, mm. 10. Like it was, it wasn't really close. It was kind of the Book of Mormon in a, in, in a landslide. Okay. So Corbin, for you, here you are, you've been, you know, granted you have Mormonism in your in your background in the sense that your your parents were Mormon a long time ago, but they didn't raise you Mormon. Your grandparents are Mormon. So Mormonism isn't that strange to you. But was there any were there any times in those five years where you heard something or you learned something, you're like, hmm, that doesn't I don't know if that makes sense. I I don't know like like when you talk about the Joseph Smith stuff and the prophet stuff and the open canon stuff. Now again, I know you didn't you weren't raised Christian, so for maybe our Southern Baptist listeners, they might be like, "Wait a second, I would throw a flag at that right away." But for you, maybe are you just taking it in, taking notes and check got it? Okay, so that's what you're saying. Okay, that's what you're saying. Or were there any of these at any point along the way where you're like, "I don't know that that sounds right." Oh, oh yeah, there was there was constantly times where I I I would come to the girl, you know, we we ended up, you know, being together for for a long time and advancing that relationship, but um her and I I I would always bring struggles to her. Like I would there was a lot of things. And this is what I I didn't really like like about it is in the missionary discussions, it's very vague, very it's very soft, very approachable, you know, this is you know, we're teaching about Jesus Christ and, and this is God's, you know, this is his church, but it, it's almost just, just wishy-washy just to kind of get the clothes on the sale sort of a thing. And, and that might be an offensive like way to kind of explain it to people, but that's kind of how it felt because I felt like I wasn't really starting to learn like what I was actually believing in until, until years later. I, the, the, so to answer your question, some of the biggest things I struggled with, I really struggled the whole time thinking that Joseph Smith was was a prophet of God. I I always struggled with just the the almost just the randomness, the randomness that that uh all of the sudden there's uh, some extra, you know, doctrine, you know, golden plates that were, you know, planted in the side of a hill and some guy, you know, ends up digging them up creating a whole new whole new scripture whole new whole new you know doctrine to kind of build this new religion off of I really struggled with that just because I just understood from a young age that people are corruptible so it's always hard for me to take just a just a man at his word you know it for me like they sold me like in in the missionary discussions getting baptized it was what sold me was that, that like this was Jesus Christ's church. Like this was God. They got me on that. Like that's that's where I was like, okay, like if this is, you know, God's church, Jesus Christ's church, I'm not living my life the right way. Maybe I can prove myself mm. through my efforts alongside my faith that I can now be in line with God and that I could be seen as a worthy, worthy person to make it to heaven, right? That's kind of where I was at. So it was almost out of a place of insecurity. I kind of I I took that leap of faith. Um but so Joseph Smith, I struggled with here and there. Um, and the other things I really struggled with were um, the levels of hev- heaven, exaltation, 
the idea that you could become a god one day. I I didn't even really know about that until I'd been in in the religion for a while cuz I I don't necessarily think it's like it's not a hidden topic. It's it's talked about, but it's not their opening move. You know what I mean? It's not it's not what they're going to talk about greeting you at the door on the, on the first day. You know what I mean? That's more more once you've been established. So that I I really struggled with that. Like I never I never could get really sold on it. I I kind of was always questioning that and it was something that I was always kind of reading into, trying to learn more about cuz I I just couldn't wrap my head around it cuz it was almost like they kind of wanted to get away from the idea of of hell, right? Cuz they they're they're more proponents of that there's an outer darkness and and you know, it's kind of interesting. Like I I kind of I've kind of discussed with like close friends and and mentors recently that it's almost like God of the of the Mormon Church. It, they they almost portray him as as extra forgiving and and super super soft and approachable and and the God of the Bible is he is a forgiving God, but he's fair. Like he's just you know like if you cross a line, there's a price to pay. You know what I mean? Like there's still there's still a side where he needs to be able to discipline you. You know what I mean? And and so I always struggled with the idea that they didn't believe, they didn't really like the idea of hell and and there was levels to heaven, right? Based on your efforts, you could make it there. And and I'm not going to lie to you. I, I always struggled with the whole idea that because you abstain from, uh, you know, drinking alcohol and coffee and the word of wisdom and um, those things I always were kind of just like always confused about. I was like, does that really, is that really what defines a, a godly person? Are those the, are those the only things that, that genuinely God looks at? And it's like, because you don't drink coffee, you are now more in line with me than someone that does. And maybe that, maybe I'm, I was interpreting that, you know, a little bit out of line, but that's something I always, I mean, it's simple, but it's just like, it seems unnecessary, I guess I should say. Okay, so you you said that you were meeting with missionaries. Talk us through that. So you're dating you're dating this girl, and she says, "Come to church with me." So then, at some point, this is just like a logistical question. At some point, then, did you get connected to missionaries, like the people that our listeners will know with a name tag? They go two by two. They have the white shirts on, sometimes riding a bike. Yep, absolutely. And these these guys did pull up in a car. They uh so yeah, missionaries are, you know, black slats, slacks, white shirt, you know, black name tag, elder, you know, so and so their last name and and they showed up pretty quick. So I think what I think happened is is people saw me at church and they knew that my family was inactive and so they're like, "All right, we got to we got to cast our cast our rod now, you know? And so they ended up just showing up at my house and they showed up while I was dating that girl and while I had already been going to the church. And, and so they were the ones that kind of took me through the missionary discussions. So to kind of, to kind of go through the mis- missionary discussions, it sounds like for the most part, they have the, je- the they have an approach that they're all kind of taught in what they call the MTC, which, which preps missionaries to be able to teach, teach, um, you know, people about, about the Mormon faith and, and prepare them for ultimately baptism and, and participation in that faith. And so these missionaries approached me and they, they, they wanted to set up times where they could come meet with me every week. And so the first discussion is very, 
very approachable and it's kind of more building rapport, learning where you come from, where your beliefs are currently at. And then they kind of introduce you into, into their faith. And they use a, they use a game called Jenga, which most people are familiar with that game. And and it's a building block game, right? And, you know, the whole idea is if you pull out, you know, too many of the blocks, the tower will fall down, right? So this is, I remember this quite distinctively because I told them that, you know, I was going to an, uh, a non-denominational Christian church at the time, you know, or I had up to that point, that was my church experience. And, and I do remember feeling God's presence there and feeling like a, you know, a, a higher power, if you will, and feeling connected to some sort of eternal perspective. And I told them that, and I remember them saying this and I'll never forget it is they, they're like, Oh, we, we believe that you can feel Jesus's presence, other churches, but we believe that they're just missing some parts that make it the full truth. So they essentially were trying to say that like, Oh, you can, you can feel God's presence from anywhere, but the Mormon church is the one true church. And it has all of the blocks to make essentially a perfect tower, right? So that's kind of what they, that's how they kind of got me into it. And, and, and that's where they introduced the idea of like, they, they understood that I wasn't, that I was living quite a sinful life and I was, you know, chasing after a very earthly pleasures and, and, and just not doing the things that I knew I should have been doing. And so that's where they kind of introduced the whole idea of like, we believe in faith and, and God's grace, but we also believe that. Um, you need to prove yourself essentially through through effort, through proving yourself by, you know, sticking to the word of wisdom and 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 other other church doctrines that they they put on high, and and then it kind of just progresses. So as as the missionary talks go on, they go a little bit more in depth with what the who you know who Joseph Smith was, where he came from, how the Book of Mormon was compiled, how it was written, why it's so true. And I'm telling you, it's it's very vague. It's very, very, very approachable, very soft is how I kind of like approach it. And maybe that's a weird way to explain it. But it's like, you know, it I I come from a sales background professionally, and it's it's just like you you don't want to just come in and try and close the sale without even, you know, kind of trying to find some sort of some sort of connection to tie to tie what you want to sell to what this person has or or what they're lacking I guess and and so they kind of they they ease you into it in a very soft approachable this is God's true church you know you can find salvation here eternal family I think is another big selling point and that that me using it in that phrase may may be offensive and I, I genuinely don't mean it in an offensive way but but if you know, if, if you hear the term that, you know, you know, you can be with your, your family for eternity, that's a very like heartwarming, happy moment. Cause most people, you know, they love their family. They want to be attached to them forever. And, and so, you know, even learning that, I remember that was kind of a big thing. Cause at the time, you know, I really liked this girl that I was dating and I was planning on marrying her. And, you know, I wanted to, the idea of being married to her forever was a very obviously appealing Feeling thought as a 17 year old kid and, and being in, you know, falling in love, you know, obviously that's very, very attractive. It's a, and a very attractive aspect of the church. So that's kind of how it happened. And then ultimately we came to the idea of like, maybe I should get baptized and, and take my life in this direction. And so that's what we did. So how many, for how many weeks did the missionaries meet with you? <sighs> Probably a full month, maybe, maybe six weeks. Okay. Um, 
probably within a month from start to about a month in, we had scheduled the baptism. And then I obviously met with them leading up to it. So from the day they showed up on my door, I think I ended up getting baptized about two full months later. Um, and that's kind of what happened. So then how did things, so now, now you're in right now the it worked, the flirt to convert tactic worked for you. So now are you, yeah, are you qualified? I mean, are you, is your girlfriend now saying, okay, it's it. Let's, we can, we can live our happily ever, ever after. Yes. Yeah, so that, that is ended up what happening. So we, we did go that, that direction. So, so once I got baptized, um, I, you know, I just, I really dove into it and I tried to live my life in, in line with their doctrine. And I, I tried to be a very committed Mormon, Mormon member. Like I wanted to be an example to those around me. And I had a lot of other friends that were, were living similar lifestyles as me that were, you know, a bit of troublemakers. And I, I was just, I was instantly uh, did a 180 and I tried to be an example in that direction. And um, you know, my family was supportive cause they weren't, you know, they're not really one way or the other. They're kind of in that gray area. So they were just like, you know, whatever makes you happy, you know, we obviously want that. So I, I spent a lot of time with her family and her family was very active in the church, very, very outspoken towards it. And, and that was just their life. That was their full life, their whole existence. That's, that's what they were. And this is what I noticed, Brian, this is what, this is a big thing. I didn't notice this then, but in hindsight, this is what I realized. I saw her and her family as the most righteous people, I guess, that you could essentially become through their efforts and through, through who, who they're, the way they live their life right? I, I essentially saw them as the end goal. And this is kind of what I've noticed. I almost made her and her family kind of like the lowercase g God in my life. I put them on this pedestal and I essentially looked up to them and I was like, you know, I need to be doing what they're doing in order to be a holy person, in order to be someone that God sees and is proud of and will make it into, you know, the kingdom of heaven with him one day. That's what I noticed. That's what I recognized. And that was me. You know, that's a young, foolish, insecure uh, kid that that kind of took that leap of faith out of a place of insecurity and a lack of knowledge, I would say. Um, but I, I found direction in, in kind of putting them on the pat pedestal and kind of chasing after the way they lived their life. And this is the thing that I really started to struggle with is it's just almost like the, it's never enough you know, and, and we're people and we're no matter how righteous and, and heartfelt and driven you are to live your life in a certain way, you're going to slip and fall. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail occasionally. Right. And that's, that's where I started to really struggle with the faith is, is that it just, it was a, just this constant weight on my shoulders that felt like, you know, no matter what I do, it's never going to be enough. Like I'm not perfect. And, and the whole idea here is they, I mean, this is, this is doctrine to them is to one day become perfect. Like that's the whole idea of exaltation is to, is to one day be perfect and to one day be able to, you know, be a God of your, you know, for yourself. And, and it was, it was an almost an unbearable weight to, to bear. And it, it really took me away from the reason I got into the church was, 
was because I thought it was the church of Jesus Christ. Like it's in the name, right? That, that's what they, you know, were priding themselves on. And, you know, when I was getting into, into that religion, they were already pushing the whole, like, don't call us Mormon. We're Christians. This is the church of Jesus Christ. You know, don't call us Mormon sort of a thing. I didn't even really know that that used to not be offensive because I hopped in where in a time where, you know, that was the appropriate way to, to talk about them and to, and to speak about yourself, right? You, you weren't Mormon. You were, you were a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day mm-hmm. Saints. They really pushed that, that, that that's the way you're supposed to introduce it now. Right. And they had already done that because president Nelson was already the, was the prophet at the time when I, you know, joined, he had just barely become the prophet too. So, that's where I really started to struggle with it is there's this, this unbearable weight that gets put onto your shoulders that, you know, you have to live your life perfectly. And, and, and obviously I am kind of generalizing things here and obviously they, they wouldn't say that, right. They, they understand you're not perfect and they understand that, you know, you're going to make mistakes, but there just seemed to be more of a guilt bearing aspect to, to the Mormon religion when you made a mistake. Right. Cause, um, you know, anytime you would make a, a reasonably big mistake, whether, you know, if you're a teenager, I'll kind of give you some examples. So if you were to like view pornography or say you got a little too, too physical with, with the girl you're dating in any way, right? Like you get a little too handsy, you get a little too touchy, whatever it is. Um, or, you know, if you were to, you know, fall into, you know, drinking coffee or, you know, even if you're, you know, touch alcohol or anything like that, that's, that's the sort of sin you would need to go and talk to your bishop about because you need help in order to be forgiven of that sin. And so it kind of made this, it, it made this, I don't know if they intentionally, they, I don't think they intentionally wanted it to be this way, but that's something I think the, the Mormon religion missed is by, by putting a middleman in between you and God it essentially made you feel that you had to be making all the right choices in order to even have a relationship one-on-one. Otherwise you had to go through the Bishop and he had to kind of tell you, you know, when you're forgiven. And a lot of times what they would do is they would, you know, they would tell you to not take the sacrament for a couple weeks and, and to really, truly like repent, really be thoughtful. And, and I, I understand, I truly believe in repentance. And I think that that's important. Obviously we're not, we're not Christians just to, Oh, you know, pull that Jesus forgives every sin card. Cause that's not what I'm getting at at all. But having a middleman permanently placed between you and God as kind of like your spokesperson, I never really, it never really sat with me well, because what they don't understand is, is it's just like, as young adults and and teenagers being exposed to those kinds of things in this world, you're, you're inevitably going to run into an issue or two, right? We're we're that, I mean, we're sinful people by nature. We're very corruptible and we're very, very, um, influenced. So we can be influenced very easily. So, um, it puts a lot of pressure on young kids to even go and talk to the bishop because they're ashamed that they're even doing these things. So it's almost better to hide it. But then if you're hiding it, then you have to feel and live with the guilt of, I, I am not in line with God and I never will be until I go and talk to my bishop about this. And I just, I feel like all of that, all of those, you know, doctrinal, like just traditions, it, it really took away from the value of even having a relationship with God. It's like you had to have a relationship with religious hierarchy in order to even have a relationship with God. We probably have some listeners that are saying, 
oh my gosh, that's my story. I have a very similar story. I've had some of the same thoughts. Maybe they've never admitted it before, but probably so many of our listeners are still in the Mormon church and they've been in the Mormon church for decades and decades. How are you, how are you able to maybe sort of open your eyes a little bit sooner than most? Cause you said you were really only in the church for five years. So tell us, tell us how, how things changed. I ultimately, you know, ended up not being with the girl that kind of flirted to convert me and me and her were together for four, a little over four years. And, you know, once we separated from that, I was left with this inevitable understanding because it, it wasn't like I immediately resented the church and I tied her to the church. I really, I tried to go without being with her and I tried to be involved and I tried to learn more. And, but I kept I kept getting this feeling in this direction that, you know, the whole reason I joined this church wasn't even necessarily for my own benefit. It, it did. I did it kind of out of a place of, of insecurity, right? I knew I was living a sinful life and I saw this as an opportunity through efforts to get back in line with God. I, I lived with that false perception, but I also did it for, for a girl. I, I, you know, I joined this church cause I really cared about this person and I wanted to be with her to make things work. So when she left and I was no longer part of that fi- family dynamic that I kind of told you about who became kind of my lowercase God and, and became the hierarchy of, of what I saw as a holy person in God's eyes. Once I was no longer attached to that, I realized that I wasn't even really focusing on my relationship with God. What I was doing was living up to standards. I was living up to rules. I was living up to an ideology that you could work your way to heaven. And I just, I started becoming to this inevitable realization that, that there is nothing we can do as human beings who are sinful by nature to get back in line with God through our efforts. No matter how righteous, no wholeheartedly, that we are as human beings, we just, we're never going to cut it. I mean, that it, it takes the value. It takes the power out of the crucifixion of Christ, which is what I, I started with. Like I, I, my initial, you know, experience to a higher power was Jesus Christ. And I believed in the crucifixion. And so what I realized was, is I was living up to like these rule books and and these X, Y, and Zs, crossing your T's, dotting your I's sort of a thing, rather than actually building a relationship with God. I was like, how am I supposed to make it to heaven if I'm a part of a religion that f- is more focused on your works and perception rather than a relationship with God? It, 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 it splits your focus. I mean, you, you can get in and, you know, obviously there's episodes that are on here that, that kind of break down, you know, Mormonism and, and the, the, the doctrine and, and, you know, the fact that you can really figure out that it isn't, it isn't as true as you thought it was. So I won't even get into that, but like just fundamentally, like logically speaking, the more you focus your, your, your time and energy on efforts and following rules and making sure you're, you know, you're staying in line with the chain of command, if you will, the more you realize that you haven't been building a relationship with God the whole time. Like you haven't been talking to him. You're talking to another guy and he's talking to God. 
for you. You know what I mean? And, and, and maybe that, you know, that sounds offensive, but I mean, it's true. If, I mean, you seriously couldn't be forgiven of a sin, uh, uh, you know, a higher value or I guess a more, you know, meaningful sin without the help of, of the bishopric. And, and, you know, you, you were not temple worthy without, without getting that clearance from, from the bishopric. So I, I just came to the realization that like, I mean, this, this, this religion, I mean, I don't know if it intentionally does this, but it's splitting your focus as a member in so many different directions that the whole, the whole baseline belief behind what, you know, Christianity, you know, what they claimed is, is having a relationship with God, believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that through him you'll be saved. And that's when I realized like all these extra doctrinal, you know, traditions that they have implemented into their religion, it takes away from your time and energy to build a relationship with God. Because that's the thing what people don't realize. I remember being LD or being Mormon and and in my initial, you know, you're kind of just you unintentionally, I think, start to judge Christians. They you're like, oh Christian people are they want to be Christians because they they live that more lifestyle where like, oh, you know, if I make a mistake, God will forgive me. Like I'm good, you know? Just you can throw the Jesus card up in the air every time, right? But that's what I didn't realize is somebody that gives their heart wholeheartedly to the God of the Bible, they're going to be living a life that abstains from, you know, sex outside of marriage. That's not going to be getting drunk and partying and, 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 you know, using, you know, drugs and alcohol and other vices and other idols to, to run from their issues. Somebody that gives their whole heart to God and focuses their relationship on Jesus Christ is going to be more spiritually sound than somebody that's splitting their focus 10 different ways and is trying to worry about making all the right choices all of the time while also, you know, reading scriptures, listening to, you know, talks from, from, you know, the, the religious leaders and, and it just, it's overwhelming. It, it, it wears you down as a member. So Corbin, there's a guy out there. I know there are a lot of guys out there listening that are just saying, man, does this ever resonate? Again, you put to words what probably, you're really good with words, by the way, Corbin. You put to words what, what probably a lot of guys, men or women out there, couldn't quite do. And I think some light bulbs are going on for some of our listeners right now who are still involved in the LDS church at some level. Last last thing I want to ask you, last question for you. What advice do you have for that person? I just wanted to share my story because I, I know so many people that are struggling the same way I am. And this is the advice I would give you, okay? Because this is something that, you know, Bo and Katie, for those that are listening, you know, if you were if you have the chance to to discover other podcasts and kind of dig a little bit deeper, you'll meet Bo and Katie. And Bo said something that really stuck out to me because I remember you know, wanting to leave the church and I had already been through the temple and I, I had done my endowments and I, I, I was in it. Right. And I, I struggle with the idea that now if I walk away now, I'm uh, now I'm really in trouble right now. I'm really not in line with God's cause, cause I know more than the generic person. Cause I've seen more, I've experienced more. Right. And, uh, now if I walk away, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in real trouble. But this is what Bo said to me that really stuck out. Cause there was times where I felt God's presence in the Mormon church. And so I was really struggling to walk away. And I was like, you know, which is right. I felt God in several places. And this, this single line 
I, I hope other people really take this to heart is God is so much greater than religion. He can reach you from anywhere. His power is limitless. His love is limitless. He, he is the creator of all. So you can feel his presence from anywhere. So for anyone that's struggling with their faith, but they've felt that, you know, they've, they have felt a, a spiritual connection to the church, but they're doubting a lot of the, the fundamental beliefs of, of the religion. I would tell you that God is so great and so powerful that he can reach you from anywhere. And I would really challenge you to actually study and do your own research about the Bible. I would, I would dive head first into the Bible, keep an open mind and and an open heart, because here's the thing, you know, God's, God's words is, is only as true as your ears are ready to hear. So you need to open your mind and you need to open your ears and, and have the heart to listen and let God speak to you. Cause I will tell you, um, for a fact, and this is, I, I put my whole, my whole, my whole life philosophy on this is the second that you dive wholeheartedly into the Bible and try and discover the God of the Bible, you will find the most, the most amazing kind of peace that that you can experience on on this planet like you you genu- genuinely will you will understand that that Christ came here and he died for your sins and that you are saved by grace alone and when you truly understand that and take that into your heart and try and and try and live a life that honors God you're you're going to you're going to find so much more fulfillment and peace and direction in that and i know that it's so hard to walk away from something that's so effort based and has so many rules and regulations and 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 things you need to do to please others around you and i know how overwhelming it can be but i'm telling you the first step is to open the 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 word of god the bible and and i would say dive head first into it corbin your story is so cool thanks for sharing and i know that you're going through the pursuit with a mentor already, with which I think is so valuable. We've got that resources at pursuegod.org forward slash go. And next week, right here on the podcast, we're going to start the pursuit with Bo and KD. We're going to talk through each one of those lessons. Corbin, I know you'll be listening, and I hope everyone else who's listening now will listen next, next week as well. So join us then. Thanks again, Corbin. Hey, listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we wanna make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit pursuegod.org forward slash donate.